0: There's no crying in baseball.
1: No crying. And this game's underway. Into the wind of a dispersed offering. Just a bit outside. Here's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, my so
1: God. On. Deep to right field. Way up there. My, oh, my. And look who's coming up. You talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. Okay, play ball. Hello everyone. Welcome back to payoff pitch. That's right. The 2023 MLB season is upon us. Your favorite MLB betting podcast is back presented by BetMGM. MGM. We are here to get you ready for the 2023 MLB season. I'm Colin Witcher, alongside Sean Zarrillo. And this is our, uh, This is our table-setting episode, Sean. We're going to get you ready. We're going to get you caught up on everything that happened over the last four months. Maybe you've been a little busy with the NFL, with college football. The Super Bowl is in the past. We've got March Madness coming up, obviously. But baseball's right around the corner. Spring is here. So we need to catch you up on everything that's happened over the last four months to get you ready to bet on the 2023 MLB season. We're going to have so much content for you coming in the next month. Leading up to opening day on March 30th, we're going to have episodes previewing all six divisions, futures, division winners, win totals, player awards. So much to come over the next month, so be sure to like, Subscribe to this podcast, rate, review it. Make sure you get those notifications when the new episodes come up because we're going to have a ton coming in the next month. And then obviously into the season when we're betting on these individual games. On this sport, we all love so much. Sean Zorrillo, as I mentioned, joining us. Coming up on today's episode, we are going to be running through one of the big storylines in this spring training so far the rule changes, the pitch clock, the shift ban, the bigger bases going to give you all of the updates on those rule changes, and more importantly to you, the listener, how that affects gamblers, how that affects individual teams, how that affects individual players, updates on the rules. Then we're going to do an overview offseason recap on the big moves you might have missed over the last four months, big signings, big trades, etc. And then we're going to wrap things up with a couple of bets that we just can't wait to get to you. As I mentioned, we're going to have plenty of content all month long, but our favorite bets right now as we wrap things up. So one of the big stories this offseason, and particularly as we have entered spring training, is the rule changes we are going to see in the 2023 season. The two biggest, most obvious ones that we see on a regular basis, the pitch clock, Pitchers only have X amount of time to get set to throw the ball. Batters need to be ready and aware with eight seconds left on the clock. We've seen it cause some controversies already in spring training. We saw a Red Sox Braves game end in a tie because of an automatic strike three call with the bases loaded and two outs in the ninth inning. It's going to be something absolutely fascinating to watch as the season begins, especially from a handicapping and betting standpoint, both that and the shift. There are so many hitters out there who were robbed of base hits with the shift who are going to be able to get hits. I was watching the White Sox Mariners game yesterday. They were talking about Yasmani Grandal, whose batting average has absolutely plummeted as he gets shifted all the time. There are countless hitters out there like him, particularly more notable than Yasmani Grandal at this stage in his career. And then the pitch clock, we got the guys who are going to need to adjust. We have some slow-working pitchers out there. Corbin Burns is one of the slowest-working pitchers in baseball. Shohei Otani is one of the slowest-working pitchers in baseball. Most of the slowest-working pitchers come out of the bullpen, however. Giovanni Gallegos, I think, is number one. Aroldis Chapman. Kenley Jansen. Big-name relievers, Devin Williams. Very slow workers sean i'm curious both of these rules how you expect that to change any particular team or aspect of the game and how you're working that into your handicap as you approach the 2023 season
0: yeah games where pedro Baez is pitching they're gonna have to set up like a a prison tower with like a sniper in it or if he's like (laughs) he's taking too long they're gonna have to like shoot at his feet the human rain delay pedro Baez, uh probably most affected by this more than anybody else, but thank God. Um and they changed wind up rules as well, didn't they? Uh so some pitchers had to alter their deliveries. Um, you know, that who's the, who's the pitcher who takes like an hour and a half to wind up that you always joke about? Uh Luis Garcia of the Astros. Yes. Luis had to change his windup. Um, so congrats to you, MLB the show players who no longer have to like wait for that. <laughs> uh, you know. The thing you didn't bring up is the permanence of my least favorite rule now, which is the Manfred man. Oh yeah. Runner on second base to start extra innings. But we're kind of used to that from a handicapping standpoint. We are, but the reason why I hate it is that it takes the bat out of the best players in the game and extra innings. Mike Trout comes up extra innings. Walk them. Yes. Great. Now the game's being decided by Taylor Ward and by Hunter Renfro. Like, Start the runner on first or disable intentional walks and extra innings. One of the two. It would just solve this problem. I'm just I'm so sick. Like I could deal with like totals going over and extra, I could deal with all of that. You're trying to make the game more fun and you're taking the bat out of the hands of the best players. What are you doing? Stupid. Stupid, stupid. Uh, you know, I think everybody will get used to the pitch clocks eventually. A lot of minor league players complain about it they all adjusted. Some won't. Some will have bad seasons because of it. Some people are just resistant to change and look for an excuse and allow things to snowball and have poor results and then refuse to change and get mad about it. Right? Like we see people do this in other aspects of life. There's going to be players who get pissed off about it and use it as the reason why they're performing bad. And then just like harp on that and never get better. So guys will struggle because of it. I guarantee you. And they'll use it as their justification, but it'll kind of be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, it's impossible to predict who it's going to be. I mean, there's guys saying now, like, this is, you know, a nightmare. That's all noise. Guys will adjust. If somebody's struggling with it right now, doesn't mean they'll be struggling with it in a month. And
1: some guys um, love it. Max Scherzer came out in favor of the rules, said it, it gives
0: an advantage to the pitchers. That's interesting. I can see why it would. But there's also, like, data about... um muscle explosion and why pitchers were waiting so long between pitches is because it takes your your muscles like 25 seconds to get back to like a hundred percent like max effort you know there's there's like a a desired amount of time minimal time that you need like 25 or 30 seconds that's why you saw so many pitchers slowing it down it's because like these these front offices are telling them you need to let your body rest 25 seconds between pitches. so now you're going to see you know, f- between at-bats, right? First pitch of the at-bat may come at 99, but then if he only has 15 seconds between pitches, second pitch may be 98. So there is going to be a little bit of performance dip, I think, the longer you get in these at-bats by the pitchers. But for the first pitch, yeah, advantage pitcher. Um, I'm going to be looking at
1: the possibility of fading some of the slowest working pitchers, at mm-hmm. least through their first couple of starts of the regular mm-hmm. season as they get adjusted. We look at StatCast's tempo ratings for pitchers who threw at least a thousand pitches last year. So that rules out the relievers. Top 10 slowest workers in baseball last year among starting pitchers Shohei Otani, Luis Garcia, Corbin Burns, Hugh Darvish, Alec Manoa, Lucas Giolito, Jordan Montgomery, Kevin
0: Gaussman, Aaron Nola, Justin Verlander. So that's an interesting list. You should definitely turn that into an article. And how I would go about fading them. Would not be team totals or money lines against no. necessarily, but strikeout total unders. Yes. Going to struggle with command. Not going to have max effort on their pitches because they're more accustomed to waiting longer between pitches and getting that max effort each time. So going to be more hittable and going to have worse commands. So going to rack up that pitch count higher. I would go under on strikeout totals on a lot of those guys.
1: Very interesting too. I mean, eight of those 10 guys are Cy Young vote getters in recent years. I think Luis Garcia and Jordan Montgomery are the only kind of unestablished pitchers on that list. You assume these guys are going to figure it out. I mean, right past the top 10, Julio Urias, Kyle Gibson, Brandon Woodruff. Um, You see Carlos Rodon, not too far down that list. Dylan Cease, not too far down that list. Uh, Christian Javier, one of our our favorite uh, AL Cy Young bets for 2023, which we'll get to in future episodes. So yeah, strikeout totals. It's just... You know, maybe we're making a lot of this. Maybe these guys have spent all winter adjusting to it and have their new delivery worked out and it's not going to be an issue at all. But I just am curious what that rhythm is going to be like that first time they take the mound in a game that matters. And if it's going to take a few starts to maybe work out the kinks.
0: It's, I mean, listen, we have to talk about it every year. I feel like for the past five years, we've had a significant rule change or the baseball has changed or something has been different that is going to at least partially affect totals and outcomes of these games and, you know, increased roster sizes during the pandemic. Like there's been so much minutia that we've had to dig through every single year. So we have to talk about it. And I would imagine there will be some sort of effect, but over time that effect will dissipate the greatest impact that effect is going to have is going to be in the immediate at the start of the season. And then in future years, it's going to matter less. So it is worth talking about right now. It's worth thinking about right now because it's going to matter at the beginning. After that, it's not going to matter as much.
1: You know, you got your OBPS and all that and the VORPs and then interface those numbers with TWTW under that category. Yeah, what is that? That's the will to win. Those are the things that are not put in numbers in Moneyball. Arguably the biggest individual move the the offseason, Sean, your New York Mets, lost Jacob deGrom to the Texas Rangers, a five-year, $185 million deal for deGrom to move down south to Texas, pitch for the Rangers.
0: When you're in Texas, look behind
1: you, because that's where the Rangers. Sean DeGrom to the Rangers the Rangers as we know have, have they've been going for it this is Chris Young's third year as general manager they've been spending a boatload of money obviously last offseason Corey Seager Marcus Semien John Gray this offseason DeGrom was the headliner they also bolstered the rotation with Nathan Ivaldi, Andrew Heaney what is your take on the Rangers and on DeGrom in a Rangers uniform
0: you mentioned three of the Rangers signings last year and also Martin Perez as well. They signed Perez and Gray to their rotation last year and they signed Degrom, Nathan Eovaldi and Andrew Heaney this offseason. So suddenly the Texas Rangers went from having no organizational depth in pitching and no major league pitching to having top five rotation of baseball conservatively um, with Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker in the minors. So good job by Chris Young completely flipping around the pitching of that team Looking at their offense, they have guys like Bubba Thompson, uh, Josh Smith, who were getting a bats last year. They've been pushed to the bench. So they had Robbie Grossman. So they've added a little bit more depth. I think the Rangers are a 500 team. I have them right at 81 and a half wins. The market has them there as well. Last year, their win total was 74 and a half. And I had them at 72 and a half. So they've improved by roughly nine wins relative to last offseason. Um, I don't mind this team. There's no actual bets in terms of win total or anything divisionally for me. Obviously, DeGrom staying healthy, going to be a big thing. In terms of like how he projects, average war per inning, per 10 innings pitched, leader in baseball for pitchers, Uh, same with strikeouts. You know, he's the best pitcher in baseball. He was reaching new heights that we hadn't seen until these injury problems started cropping up with the Mets, but. He was throwing harder than every pitcher ever had. He was basically striking out batters at a higher rate than any pitcher ever had. So DeGrom is the best pitcher in baseball. Maybe the best pitcher that has ever walked this planet. Injuries have just been the issue. So Jacob DeGrom, elite signing by the Texas Rangers, elite by Jacob DeGrom, not getting hit with state income tax. Good move by him going to Texas. And I'd say a win-win for both sides, provided he stays healthy. But he is 35 years old, doesn't have as much mileage on the arm as most 35 year olds would. And that said, he's still breaking down. So not a good look. I uh, don't think the end of that contract is going to be great, but if he can give them like 20 starts a year. Sure.
1: Yeah. odds makers not necessarily buying in on the Rangers, despite all of the money they spent, obviously the AOS is getting tougher. Astros, your world series favorites. The Mariners we saw breakthrough finally make the playoffs last year. The Angels with Trout and Otani, obviously, uh, you never know what you're going to get out of them. Rangers fifty to one right now to win the World Series, twenty five to one to win the AL pennant on BetMGM. Third best odds. Third best odds for the AL West at ten to one. It's funny, Sean transitioning here. Jacob Degrom obviously leaving the Mets. That's a big blow. For any team, losing a pitcher like Jacob deGrom. But the Mets were busy this offseason. They lost their best pitcher. They lost their ace for the last decade. And they just went out and replaced him with the reigning AL Cy Young winner in Justin Verlander. And that's not the only move they made this offseason. Steve Cohen went out, opened up his wallet big time. Cody Senga, they signed out of Japan. Jose Quintana, Omar Narvaez, re-signed both Brandon Nimmo and Edwin Diaz. To huge deals. The Mets right now tied for the second-best World Series odds at plus 750. Tied for the best NL pennant odds with the Dodgers at plus 400. Right there in line with the Braves for the NL East crown. It's crowded. Braves, Mets, Phillies obviously going to be duking it out. A three-way battle for the NL East title again this year. Right now, the Mets are plus 140. At BetMGM, what do you make of the Mets offseason?
0: I don't mind that Carlos Correa's deal got canceled. They have plenty of high-end hitting prospect depth, which is not something I've said for a long time about the Mets. I'm actually really excited about these prospects they have coming up. Obviously, Alvarez, who's going to start the year in AAA and try to get better as a catcher. Uh, but next year, if you're talking about an automatic strike zone, Francisco Alvarez is an MVP. The whole the whole catching position is about to change, by the way. We're about to see way more bats going behind the dish. We're going to get an automatic strike zone. We're going to see catchers start winning MVPs a little bit more often. Um, Brett Batty, ready to play third base or left field this year. So Correa was taking his position. Ronnie Mauricio, same deal. MVP of the Dominican Winter League. Jet Williams, Kevin Parada, two guys they drafted this year, a few years away, but high end. And if they want to flip two of those guys for Corbin Burns, they can. So they're spending their money wisely. I don't mind that the Correa deal got canceled because I think he was blocking playing time for some prospects who are going to be really good players. Um, that said, I still have the Mets five wins beyond the Braves. I had the Mets at 87 and a half wins last year. I had them at 90 and a half this year. Dakota and Zips are on opposite ends. Dakota has the Mets five wins better than Braves. Zips has the Mets three wins behind the Braves. And I said, I have the Braves five wins better than the Mets. So the market is kind of all over the place on how the Braves and the Mets stack up relative to each other. It was the same deal last year. Zips was four wins above on the Mets. Davenport had the Mets as a 77-win team. (laughs) Like, the projection market was all over the place on these two teams last year. Um, by the way, I found when Davenport's like way off on a team, not necessarily the most accurate, but that's besides the point, the Mets right now are not as good as the Braves, but the Mets do have pieces to get better than the Braves. If the Mets want to go out and get Corbin Burns, I think they have the pieces to do it. So preseason, I'm not as high on the Mets as I am the Braves, but I think the Mets do have the pieces to get better and certainly catch up with them in season. Uh, preseason, I like the Braves as bets. Mets I think are a bit overvalued they shouldn't be second right now in World Series odds you're sort of forecasting that they're going to make another move down the line I think factoring them in it right now
1: also obviously a very public team there's there's a lot of people excited about that offseason that was a spicy take there uh projecting a potential Corbin Burns addition in Queens to go along with uh Verlander and Scherzer there. That would be that would be something. You you brought up the Braves. The, the, and least... Verlander and
0: Scherzer are not making it through the season healthy. No. Not both of them. Scherzer was injured at the end of last year. I'm really worried about him. And Verlander was a pitcher we were consistently betting against because he was overachieving yes. with a good defensive team behind him. Now he's got a bad defensive team behind him.
1: Yeah, and and the rotation's pretty thin behind them. Obviously they brought in Quintana, but they lost Chris Bassett. They lost Taiwan Walker. That's n- notable. You know, you need you need more than five pitchers to get through a season. Obviously, they're banking a lot on Senga coming over, uh, being as good as they hope he's going to be. But that, at least, is just an absolute bloodbath. I'm glad you brought up the Braves. Obviously, our, our colleague Colin Wilson wrote uh, in our Futures piece a few weeks ago about how he's buying Ronald Acuna Jr. MVP stock, hopefully fully healthy this year. He's skipping the World Baseball Classic. They brought in Sean Murphy. You talk about luxuries. It would have been a luxury for the Mets to bring in Carlos Correa. It's a luxury for the Braves. They have an all-star caliber catcher in Travis Darno, and they trade for another all-star caliber catcher in Sean Murphy, basically bringing back the entire team from last season in Atlanta. The Braves are...
0: The one thing I will will say, though, they do not have the trade chips and prospects that the Mets do, and that is the difference in the team's. In the, in the, they have more organizational depth. But if the Mets want to go out and get another high end piece, I don't think the Braves can match that. So the Mets can add another star. The Braves can't. That's definitely true. What the Braves have that
1: few organizations in baseball have, though, is that player development. Like no one could have projected that Spencer Strider and Michael Harris would have come up and did what they did last year. They were both top 100 prospects, but they weren't, you know, no one expected Michael Harris to come up and be replicate mike trout's rookie year that's practically what he did spencer strider was arguably the best strikeout artist in all of baseball last year those were good prospects those were not elite can't miss prospects and then they came up and they didn't miss i talked about the ground projecting
0: is the best pitcher in Baseball, Strider projects is the best pitcher in the National League on a per inning basis. He is elite of the elite.
1: It's funny, we're sitting here talking about the NL East, the Mets, the Braves. Guess what? An NL East team went to the World Series last year, and it wasn't the Mets or the Braves. The Philadelphia Phillies had a pretty busy offseason as well. Trey Turner being the biggest addition. They still have that two headed monster of Aaron Nola and. Zach Wheeler atop the rotation the odds makers have the Phillies behind the Braves and the Mets once again I mean the the Phillies didn't win the NL East last year 14 to one for the World Series seven to one for the pennant and plus 300 to win the NL East. are we selling on the Phillies this year? obviously they they were not world beaters during the regular season last year everyone's going to remember them making their way to the World Series. They they got red hot in October. But is this the year to sell the Phillies because everything broke right at the right time in 2022?
0: Their win total last year was 86 and a half. This year it's 89 and a half. The two teams in front of them are as good or better. The Marlins are better. The Nationals are going to be better. Maybe. <laughs> they can't be worse. Yeah, um, the Cubs are better. The Padres are better. The Giants are going to be better than they were last year. And the Diamondbacks are getting better. The whole National League is getting better. So the Phillies added Turner. Harper's out for to be determined amount of time. Right till June. Uh, I think Andrew Painter is gonna be sick. Oh, yeah. And I'll rookie the year 25 to one right now. You could bet that. I think he starts on the opening day roster. Um Noah Wheeler, Painter, added Taiwan Walker. They're a solid team, but the depth—if they start getting hurt—and this is like this is what I want to keep saying over and over—and it's going to get annoying, so I'm not going to keep saying it over and over. But when you You can say it right
1: now because it's the first episode. Right, when when you do
0: win totals, you have to factor in injuries and you have to factor in replacements playing. So many of these teams, you look at their roster and you're like, yeah, that roster can win 90 games if they stay healthy. The White Sox can win 90 games if they stay healthy. They have stars on their roster. The Phillies have stars on their roster. But when you dig in, I believe uh, baseball prospectus calls it the next 26. Is that what they, or that might be a fangraphs term? Either way, it's a fangraphs or a baseball prospectus term, the next 26. Not your 26-man roster, but if you had to replace every single person on your 26-man roster... Where do these teams stack up? The White Sox stack up with the Tigers at the bottom of their division and the Royals. Yes, The Phillies stack up closer to the Nationals than they do to the Braves or Mets in terms of organizational depth. And that's what I'm talking about with their win total. If the Phillies get to the playoffs with a healthy team, I love them last year. They were my favorite long shot World Series bet. Because if they got to the dance, they could make a run. They are not built to win in the regular season. They're not built to win a division. They're not built to win 100 games. They sustain a few injuries. They're replacing them with below average players. The Mets can bring up top 100 prospects to replace infielders who can get hurt. The Phillies do not have the same luxury. So I do like the Braves and the Mets way more than I like the Phillies in terms of a regular season team. When we get to the playoffs, the gap tightens, especially you throw a painter in the bullpen. Like the Phillies are built for the playoffs. They're not built for the regular season. So under on the Phillies win total, it's my favorite win total right now at plus money minus one ten. It would probably still be my favorite win total. It's just too high. It went up three wins, and everybody else around them is better. I think a
1: lot of that is, as we mentioned, kind of bias of people remembering that that World Series. It's it's almost like uh, you know we're getting close to March Madness. It's almost like North Carolina in the NCAA tournament last year. They were a terrible team. They went on an NCAA tournament run. They were the preseason number one, and now they're they're fighting for their lives. Uh-huh.
0: I just want to make a comparison very quickly. The Rays are the opposite. The Rays are built to win in the regular season with depth. The Guardians yes. are built to win in the regular season with depth and get to the playoffs. Once they get there, they don't really have the high-end talent to compete with the other teams. They don't really like they can't really like move multiple guys to their bullpen and make their team better. That's where their strength already is. The Phillies are the opposite. They have the star players, they're going to struggle to get to the playoffs. If they're there, they're dangerous.
1: You need more than 26 men to get through a major league season. You need more than five starters to get through a major league season. I think people forget that when an offseason happens and you say, well, we don't need to sign this guy. We have this guy. It's like, well, you need you need more. You need more than that to get through a season. Let's transition to the American League. We've talked about the team in Queens, New York, quite a bit already. Let's talk about the team in the Bronx. Interesting offseason for the Yankees. Biggest move, obviously, bringing back Aaron Judge, the reigning MVP, the American League home run king. Their fans were clamoring for it. Their fans were clamoring for more than that. They were in on a lot of the free agent starting pitchers. Ended up getting one of them, Carlos Rodon. Big addition to that rotation behind Garrett Cole. The Yankees are presently plus 750 for the World Series which is right behind the Astros, tied with the Dodgers and Mets, plus 350 for the AL Pennant. Strong favorites for the AL East. Well, I shouldn't say too strong. They, you can still get them at plus money, plus 100, right ahead of the plus 220 Blue Jays and plus 350 Rays. Thrillo what is your take on the Yankees after an offseason in which they brought back their superstar, added to the rotation to a team that disappointed in the
0: playoffs once again last year? As much as I did not want to like the Yankees this year, the numbers disagreed. And if you're looking for a point in time 10 years from now where Sean had his psychotic break, it was the 2023 MLB season where he had to place futures on the Yankees, the Braves, and the Cardinals. (laughs) His three least favorite teams in baseball. Um, Rodon, total wins above replacement, and average wins above replacement for production is like right behind DeGrom in the American league. He's, he's actually the AL leader in war. And I think you could justify a Cy Young bet on him at 12 to one, which I would not have expected to say, but he finally stayed healthy last year and the giants are a smart team and they figured out how to keep him healthy for the first time. And the Yankees are a very smart team and they don't throw that much money at a pitcher unless they're pretty confident he can get through a full season. Uh career-high inning starts last year, didn't start his final start of the season, even though he could have, because he was holding out and going to opt out of his contract anyway. So he would have made a 30-second start. I'm willing to take bets on Rodon, considering how good he is. You're just factoring in injury risk, but that's already factored into the line. So Rodon is actually a better pitcher, in my eyes, than Garrett Cole. Uh, I think Severino at 75-1 to is an interesting Cy Young bet as well. Yes, I'm on board with you on that. And people love Nestor Cortez and Nestor Cortez was a guy that my model was betting on consistently for like a year and a half before everybody realized, hey, this guy's really good. <laughs> um, Fuck Domingo Hamron, by the way, the guy should just be off the team. Yeah. Anyway, the Yankees could trade Peraza for another high end piece if they want. I think they could do it because I like Anthony Volpe to win rookie of the year. 18 to one is crazy. Um. The three prospects in the car game who are the most popular amongst collectors are Volpe, Ellie David Cruz, and Jordan Walker. Not Corbin Carroll, not Gunnar Henderson. Volpe is a superstar. And I think he's going to win the shortstop job in spring training. I wish I had gotten my bet in the app earlier because it was at 25 to 1 at Superbook when everybody else was at like 12 to 1, 18 to 1. Uh, that was my favorite bet in the awards market at twenty five to one. I think he makes. I mean, Peraza play the outfield too, but I think it makes it possible that they they look to package Peraza for another player down the line, especially if Josh Donaldson still isn't hitting. Stanton is potentially done. That is a concern. His yes. numbers have really fallen off the past few years, and Donaldson has a chance to bounce back, but I'm not sure if he will. But they did have a bunch of guys that are underachieved. Judge, obviously, way overachieved. You sort of average everybody out, and they should be roughly as good as they were last year. They were also the best defensive team in baseball. Um, I think their pennant odds are fine. I make them a better team than the Astros right now. And the Astros currently have Lance McCullers injured, Jordan Alvarez injured. I still like Jordan and and embedding his MVP odds, but I rate the Yankees as a better team than the Astros. I make them the best team in the AL. I think you can justify their pennant and their divisional odds. I didn't expect to be saying that. I don't like the fact that I had to bet it, but the numbers say otherwise.
1: Boy, you better win some money this year because if you got to suffer through betting on your least favorite teams and you lose money, I I don't even want to talk to you. Psychotic break. (laughs) The Volt thing is interesting. I love that rookie of the year future you threw out With Yankees prospects, I always am hesitant because I feel like the the Red Sox, you can say the same thing. I think the Mets, you can say the same thing a little bit. These big market, Northeast, the Phillies, you could say it. I feel like there's a little bit of prospect overhype that comes with the territory of being a Yankee. Jason Dominguez, obviously someone who the second he signed, it was the second coming of. I don't know Willie Ken Griffey Jr. or Willie whatever Mays. <laughs> Willie Mays, Mickey yeah. yeah. So there's there's always prospect over hype that comes with being a New York Yankee. I think Volpe is very good. I think that he's going to justify his prospect ranking, but it's always something that's kind of in the back of my head. And you mentioned that lineup. It's funny the fans were clamoring for them to add to the rotation this off season. They obviously did very deep one through four and they're starting rotation, but the lineup has so many question marks outside of the judge Rizzo. I mean, judge and Rizzo. I mean, Glaber Torres, super up and down. Josh Donaldson might be washed. John Carlos Stanton might be washed. Is Harrison Bader going to perform like he did down the stretch last year? Is Aaron Hicks going to be healthy and even worth a damn? Is Oswaldo Perez going to be able to take over the shortstop job? There's a lot of questions, and you you mentioned the next 26 with a couple of these teams, the next 26 on the Yankees. Obviously pretty solid. They have a good and deep farm system, but are they going to tap into it? Is D.J. LeMahieu going to contribute anything? Is Isaiah Kiner-Falefa going to contribute anything? There's, there's just a lot of surprising amount of question marks with this offense, and that's particularly true if you expect Aaron Judge to only put up let's say 75, 80% of what he did in 2022. Nobody's expecting him to repeat his 2022. He takes a little bit step back. These other guys need to take a step up.
0: Yeah, and I expect the Jays and the Rays to potentially be better too. So the Yankees, you know, they need to be as good as they were last year if they want to win the division. They can't expect to slip by with like a 93 win season and, you know, squeak out a division. I think they need to win closer to 100 games again with how good the the Rays and Jays are. Um, you know, the Yankees are more reliable defensively than they are offensively which I think is even more of a reason if you have a potential electric bat like Volp or a guy who's going to like make things happen on the bases like him to find a way to get him in the lineup at second base, you know, they're, they're going to find ways to get him in the lineup. Just, just Google news, Anthony Volpe right now. Look at the things Aaron Boone is saying about him. Aaron Boone is like, like ready to adopt this kid as his child. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I think the gap in the American League odds between Gunner and Volpe and Ohop and some of these other guys is a little bit crazy. I love Gunner. I think Gunner Henderson is a superstar. Gunner Henderson may end up being a better player than Adley Rutschman long-term, but for this year, yeah. If Volpe gets a full slate of at-bats, he's right there. Two other big
1: off-season signings, off-season player movements that we have, have yet to get to, both in, in wildly different circumstances. Xander Bogarts moves from the Red Sox to the San Diego Padres. A very busy offseason in San Diego. A very expensive offseason in San Diego. You know, they didn't bring in a ton of new players, but they locked up a lot of their own. Manny Machado is going to be a Padre into his 40s. Hugh Darvish is going to be a Padre into their his 40s. Xander Bogart's the big splash. The other one, Dansby Swanson, we mentioned him leaving the Braves. He is now a Chicago Cub. Very curious what is happening on the north side of Chicago. They're kind of going for it, but they still have a lot of questions on that roster. They brought in Jamison Tyone. A lot of cheap, smaller signings like Trey Mancini, Eric Hosmer. But San Diego, let's start with San Diego, Sean. Because they are really looking to challenge the Bra- the Dodgers rather, in the NL West. Have they done enough to overtake LA? Obviously, LA lost Trey Turner. They basically sat out the offseason to a certain extent. Is San Diego a better team than LA yet?
0: Yes. Uh they're they're right there. And Gavin Lux had a gruesome injury. I I hope that guy's okay, but he's not oh, playing yeah. this year. Um, the Dodgers have holes. The Dodgers were, we bet against the Dodgers a lot last year. Um, and we reverse sucked. swept them with the pirates. I actually want to look up to see how we did betting against the Dodgers. Cause I think we did okay. All that Pirates
1: series was amazing.
0: The pirate series was amazing, but it was like, just the fact that the pirates swept them, something was off with that Dodgers team, right? They, they gave up like six, seven runs each game. Their pitching has very much fallen back to earth relative to the being the best team in the league. They signed Noah Syndergaard. I mean, good luck. <laughs> um, I still love Dustin Mays arm talent. Tony Gonsolin was saved by the shift as much as any pitcher last year. Big time fade candidate this year, Tony. Gonsolin. And the Dodgers in general, like have been relying on the shift to generate a lot of what they do. They've been consistently one of the best teams in baseball. Um, Max Muncie back at third. You can't shift him anymore. Is he like a competent defender when he has to play it? On an island. So. Miguel Vargas at second base. Is he a second baseman on an island? Um, Trace Thompson. Trace Thompson in center, center field. That's that's insane to me. Clays Folks, go Clay's through this daughter's better. lineup and tell me if this team scares you anywhere near the roster they've put out there in previous years, even last year with like, after the first four guys in the lineup coming into the year, I was like, they're back of their lineup's not great. I think JD Martinez is going to have a big year reunited with his old hitting coach. Um, They wouldn't have signed him unless they still saw like uh barrel velocity, you know, back coming through the zone. Like there's, there's data. And there's a reason why they signed JD. I think JD is going to be fine, but David Peralta, you're, Projected left fielder, Trace Thompson, your projected center fielder. I'm assuming JD is going to have a good year. I'm assuming Max Muncie without the shift is going to have a good year. Will Smith, by the way, uh second best projected player in the NL per like wins above replacement on average playing time. Oh, I just yeah. find that interesting. I mean, Will Smith's really good. He is really good. um But he can't, like, that's average playing time. He's not going to get 650 plate appearances as a catcher. He's going to get 520. So Mookie MVP candidate. There's stars on this Dodgers team, but the pitching is not as good as it was. The depth isn't quite as good as it was. The bullpen doesn't scare me as much. The Padres have two of the top 3 players in the National League, maybe three of the top 5. Um Soto is clear one. Tatís I have third behind Will Smith. You could say he's second. That's fine. And then Machado's got to be top five. I haven't looked at my power rankings for the players, but he's he's up there. And then you add in Bogarts as well. Uh, I think the Matt Carpenter signing is really funny. Like, I look at that short porch in right field. I don't know if it's a short porch in right field in San Diego, but the, the amount of home runs I see pulled into that deck in right field in San Diego... If Matt Carpenter hits 35 bombs this year and this team just hits like a million home runs, (laughs) it would not surprise me. Hassan Kim got a lot better last year. Trent Grisham was unlucky and was hitting in the playoffs. I would be scared of this Padres team. I bet them at plus 140 to win the division. I bet them at plus 550 to win the pennant. There is a plus 1100 out there on them to win the world series. Um, I think those are all solid bets. The Padres are the... I have them behind the Dodgers, to be clear. Like, I make them probably a win behind the Dodgers right now. But it's a pick them basically, for the division. So, plus 140, plus 130 is fine. It's not a huge bet. I like their pen and odds, though. This is a dangerous team in the playoffs. Uh, You put Seth Lugo, Nick Martinez, your fourth and fifth starters in the bullpen. Your bullpen, which is already elite, just got better. This team is built to win in the regular season and the playoffs. I don't know if I'd say that as much about the Braves. Like they have higher end talent than the Braves. Their path to the playoffs is tougher because they have the Dodgers technically in front of them. Um, so I do have pennant bets on both the Braves and the Padres. I have a World Series bet on the Braves too. That's just because I project them to win their division. The Padres come playoff time are every bit as good, if not better than the Braves. They might even be the best team built for the playoffs in baseball.
1: Padres also a team not afraid to make a midseason splash. You talked about yeah. that with the Mets. You know, the Padres have the ammo potentially to make a run into Brandon Woodruff because the biggest question mark about that team is still their rotation. Obviously, they have you Darvish leading that rotation. There are some concerns about Darvish as he gets older. His K rate dropped a little bit. He gives up a ton of home runs. Blake Snell was a big fade candidate at times last year. And Michael Wacca as your number three starter is a little bit concerning so they concerning, don't have a true what, ace they don't have a true ace i think you darvish on a championship team you darvish should be a number two starter
0: but you i darvish don't is, when you have like four of the top 12 hitters in the national league do you all do you need it might ace? not matter <laughs> yes if you also have a top two bullpen it
1: might not yes. matter it might not matter that is 100 true i i mean well i guess the rotation, we're not factoring in Joe Musgrove, who's going to start injured. Start yeah, he's a fractured. Yep. But obviously, uh, a great addition there. We saw him in the postseason.
0: And maybe you get better odds on the Padres after 20 games. Tatis coming back. Musgrove misses some time. misses a couple starts. Maybe the Padres start a little bit of struggle. I mean, I'm not taking that chance. I'm going to bet them now. But maybe the price goes up a little bit. I would still bet them right Padres as Tatis they- is coming back.
1: At present, the Padres, the exact same World Series and pennant odds as the Atlanta Braves, as you mentioned, 10-1 to 1 for the World Series, plus 450 for the pennant on BetMGM. And yeah, that NL West, they are plus 140
0: to the Dodgers, minus 140. So, And I was heavy on the Dodgers last year, if you remember, to win the division. So I, yes. I have switched sides this year. I like the Padres.
1: One of the things that makes these kind of table-setting episodes so important is you set these these preconceived biases during the 2022 season, but you have to kind of flip the switch and say, these are what the rosters are, these are what my projections tell me.
0: Get and honestly, with the Dodgers, I feel like it was a slow sort of decline, right? Like, it felt like, toward, you know, during the year, like my opinion on them just sort of lowered and lowered and lowered, and they did nothing during the offseason. And then Gavin Lux got hurt. And now you look at their roster and it's like, this roster is not that scary
1: waiting for waiting for the random Dodgers prospect to come out of nowhere and turn into a superstar. There's a couple guys who are probably going to be up this year. We mentioned Miguel Vargas, Bobby Miller could contribute this year, whether it's in the bullpen or in the rotation. One guy I really like their number seven prospect by baseball prospectus, Michael Bush, mm-hmm. I think a sleeper NL rookie of the year candidate he doesn't kind he kind of doesn't have a position he plays all over but that could actually benefit him someone's not working out in a corner outfield if someone's not working at second base third base you mentioned gavin lux being injured that boosts him up the depth chart a little bit the dodgers always seem to find these guys and they contribute it's tough to count them out obviously the, the way we're talking about the dodgers in this episode people are going to think that we we think they suck they're no. one of the best teams in baseball. Probably will win a hundred games again. It's just we're talking about their odds relative to your projections and the Padres' odds relative to your projections. And while last year we were on the Dodgers, this year we we're on the Padres. The Dodgers, yeah, I had the Dodgers projected
0: exactly even with the pod, uh, with the Braves right before the Lux injury. Ninety six point six wins for both teams. Still have them ahead of the Padres. I just think the gap is closer than the market is telling you. The last thing I'll mention, the Dodgers do have far more prospects in the high minors and far more top 100 prospects to trade than the Padres do. The Padres yes. emptied their system last year to get Soto. The Dodgers do have more guys, like you said, that could come up and pop as rookie of year candidates or that they could flip for a superstar piece. So definitely advantage Dodgers there. But current major league roster construction, Padres. Before
1: we get out of here, Sean, we're going to run through a couple of the World Series odds. As I mentioned, we're going to be giving out a ton of bets throughout the month of March. Favorites that we like. Right now, World Series odds. The Astros, who we barely talked about in this episode, are plus 650. Favorites to win the World Series right behind them. Dodgers, Mets, Yankees at plus 750. Braves and Padres plus 1,000. Phillies, Blue Jays plus 1400, Mariners plus 1600, and then everyone else 20 to 1 or worse. As I mentioned, we've got a lot of bets coming up, but before we get out of here, Sean, is there a bet that you kind of want to jump on right now? Want our listeners to jump on right now? Maybe the odds are going to move in the next couple of weeks. Maybe it just has such good value. That you don't want to pass it up they mentioned you'll probably give these out on a couple other podcasts within the next month but what is your favorite future bet right now today
0: uh, i mean the braves were my favorite futures like pretty much from the second half of last season forward uh and that really hasn't changed this year i still project them as the best team in baseball which was the case at the end of last year fangrass projects them as the best team in baseball pakoda is lower than ours but I think it's interesting that both with me and Fangraphs independently using different data sets have come to the conclusion that the Braves are the best team in baseball. So I do love their world series odds at 10 to one. I don't think they're going to move down lower than nine to one though. Um, if you want to talk long shots and it's a good way to segue from the rule changes to here, the teams who I think benefit most from the rule changes shift man, athleticism, larger bases, more stolen bases, better base runners, and more in need of individual positional playing on an island defense. Even though you can you can swap your second baseman and third baseman and kind of like effectively shift, but it's not going to be the same. The Cardinals and Guardians, both uh Cardinals 25 to 1, Guardians 40 to 1, best prices available. I factored in base running and defense like ever so slightly more into my projections this year than I have in previous years. And both teams rated well in both categories last year, but I'm using a 2023 projection. Both still weight, rate extremely well. What I like most about the Guardians, and I, I need to do the math on the Cardinals, but the Guardians last year finished third overall in defensive runs saved. But they were the least reliant team on... They had, they, they had the least defensive runs saved, not even the least reliant. They had the fewest defensive runs saved because of shifts as, as any other team. So they had the third most defensive run saved, but the fewest defensive runs saved as a result of shifting. That's what you want in 2023. You want teams who can play defense on an Island. You want teams who are going to steal outs for their pitchers. Um, they have a deep roster. They're built to win in the regular season, deep 40 man roster. The Cardinals also deep 40 man roster. High-level prospects coming up. Unfortunately, the Guardians' top-pitching prospect is injured and is out for the year. And Chase Delauder, also out for them. I don't know if he was going to hit the bigs this year, but lost two of their top prospects to injury, essentially. The Cardinals have Jordan Walker, who I think is going to be a superstar coming up at some point if he's not up at the beginning of the year. Their lineup is as good. One through nine, I would put them up there with the Padres, the Cardinals lineup. I think the Cardinals lineup is stacked offensively, and and then you add in the defense, too. Yeah. The Padres just have better pitching, but the Cardinals lineup, I, I think them and the Padres are one too. I'd put them ahead of the Mets. Um, you guys know I've been on the Cardinals the past couple of years. They're a contender this year. I think they're a legit contender this year. Two Hall of Famers in the middle of the lineup with Goldschmidt and Arenado. Other guys coming up. Really deep roster. If they figure out how to improve their starting pitching slightly, if Jack Flaherty bounces back at all, if they find a way to work a trade for a starter, they're right in the mix. Um, and then the Guardians on the opposite end—I don't love their high-end talent as much come playoff time. I think the Cardinals are maybe a better playoff team, but they're—I mean, the odds reflect that. The odds significantly reflect that the divisions are both competitive. Uh, the Guardians have a third team competing in their division. The Cardinals—it's kind of a two-team race, but the Cardinals are a higher-end talent team. I just think the Guardians stand to benefit as much from the rules, base running, defense as much as anybody. And then the depth on top of it, they seem like a pretty safe team to get to October. So those two teams, my favorite long shots, I think if anything that the guardians come down from 40 to one Cardinals 25 to one, probably about right guardians. I think should be closer to 33, 30
1: payoff pitch going to come to you all season long. If you're a returning listener from 2022, we thank you. We welcome you back. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. We're going to be here with you all baseball season long. Once the regular season kicks off, we'll have episodes breaking down the slate of games on given days all season long. And throughout the month of March, we are going to be future city division breakdowns, win totals, awards, World Series pennant. Anything you can think of, we're going to be breaking it down. So please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, get that little notification when a new episode goes live. And just a heads up to our listeners, you will be hearing a little bit less of me in the 2023 season. So we're going to have a rotating cast of Action Network baseball betting experts throughout the 2023 season. A little bit less of Colin Witchurch focused on the written side of things. Let the audio experts take over. Sean Zarrillo, BJ Cunningham. Anthony Debundo, so many more people that you're familiar with from other Action Network verticals and from the baseball vertical throughout the season. So be sure to look forward to that. Because we're going to have plenty in store in the 2023 season. Spring is in the air. We're ready to, we're ready to bet on baseball. For Sean Zarillo, I am Colin Witchurch. We will talk to you next time on Payoff Pitch presented by that MGM. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you later. Look at this crowd on its feet. What a tribute. No one wants to leave.
0: Action Network reminds you please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24 7 at 1 800 Gambler.